comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. God, you need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. strike me as somebody who would have pulled pranks on other kids in school as you were growing up we um i guess it was more after uh high school uh we started going to people's houses that decided to not come out that night like maybe they had a girlfriend night or whatever um and we would do different things to their lawn like go to the grocery store and buy gigantic packages of plastic forks and individually stick them into their lawn. <laughs> we, um, you know, we did the never really liked the toilet paper stuff. Sometimes we'd wet somebody's car down and pour flour all over it. God, um, that's cruel. You know, stuff like nothing really that harmful. I mean. You know, I did get woken up a couple times by my parents to take the forks out of our lawn. That's um, <laughs> that's uh, that seems pretty labor intensive. That particular prank. Yeah, that one took a while. Like, you know, we'd have to get there and and start. Yeah, I guess if you had four or five guys with a stack of forks, it didn't take that long. But what about you, Russell? Did you uh, did you pull pranks or get pranked? Uh, no, not that I not that I recall. No, not really. I mean. We also, um, I'm sorry, Russell. We <laughs> we flamingoed people's lawns. We drive around and find funny lawn ornaments, and I'm not proud to say this, but we'd take them off people's lawns, and then when we had a car full, we'd stick <laughs> them all at one person's house. I, That's pretty funny. I think we did the typical, like, maybe a pizza got ordered to somebody's house, maybe somebody's doorbell got rang and somebody ran... Or, doorbell got rung and somebody ran you know stuff like that i was a good we had a friend <laughs> you asked the right person we had a friend who delivered for Domino's, and we would uh this is back in the 30 minutes or less days <laughs> and we would block their driveway and then call <laughs> and uh we got a free pizza once or twice then they you know they figured it out and he started getting in trouble and stuff so you would block Domino's driveway yeah like the way that this one was situated it was kind of like a long one car driveway believe it or not to get in and out of Domino's and uh we'd park in front of it and then call Domino's that's pretty funny i uh i was a good, good kid times. i never did prank anybody or got pranked so I don't know if I should be proud of that or not, but that's the way it is. What is this, Shield Podcast or something? Yeah, it's not the prank the prank cast. 
What what was the name of this episode? Oh, Russell's here. John's here. Brad's here. What was the name of this episode? Repairs. Repairs. Oh, because they had to try to make repairs, I guess. Sometimes these these episode titles make sense, and sometimes I have, there's a little bit of thinking involved on my part to try to get it, but um, yeah, that's kind of a stretch, I guess, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me. Well, I think repairs had to do with the fact that the guy kept mucking up the machine, and they had to send a repair crew down to fix it. See? It's that simple, and yet I don't see it sometimes. I like this episode. It had, uh, I guess we have other things to do before we get started, but it felt like a Halloween episode for a little while. Yeah, yeah. It did. You know, it had a little bit of tension and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say horror, but it was a little uh, it was a little tense with Fitz for a while yeah. there. Yeah, Fit, Fitz is quickly becoming my favorite character out of all of them. He has, his tagline, it just kills me. And, like, and I think it's just the accent. I think it's the way he says it, but the whole what the hell thing that's become his tagline, because I think that's the fourth or fifth time that he's said that. And sometimes he yells it out really loud. Sometimes it's a little more subdued. But I don't know. Just the way he, he says that with that accent. Just like every time he does it. It just it just gets me laughing. Yeah he's funny. I like him. So how'd the show do Russ? Uh, it did pretty well. Uh, we're, we're back on an upswing. So the, the, the ratings were 2.5. Up from 2.3 in the demo. Last week. Which amounts to seven, seven shares, so seven million people, um, with a total audience of nine point three million, regardless of, of the demo. So, um, the one thing that may have been in its favor this week—hard to say. Like, is it because last week's episode was so solid, got a lot of hype? Maybe people were talking about it, and so they tuned in this week as well. Um, or maybe it was because NCIS didn't have an episode on. Uh, Tuesday night, so some of those viewers bled over into watching S.H.I.E.L.D. live. Uh, hard to say. Also, Dancing with the Stars had their se- season finale, so maybe there are people that were just tuned into ABC um, to check it out. I don't know. But overall, uh, good. I mean, it's definitely a positive thing when a show starts an upward trend as opposed to staying flat or a downward trend. So uh, I think the real key will be after the hiatus next week, that we come back for one episode and then go on another break to see how it does next, uh, the next episode. You know, I have to say, I, I know the statistics back it, and, and, and they talk a lot when in discussion about ratings and stuff about the lead-in, you know, like what show came right before it and how it affects the ratings and stuff like that. I cannot imagine being a Dancing with the Stars person that sticks around for S.H.I.E.L.D., and certainly vice versa, like I'm a S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, action genre comic book person. I'm not keeping on Dancing with the Stars because it's on next. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like I just do not get how that happens, but apparently it does. And I think I, I, I'm convinced almost that people typically don't watch things live. I mean, I think we're kind of the exception for shows that we cover on the podcast. Um, you know, we watched Breaking Bad, especially in the last couple seasons, uh, live. We watched Lost live in the end. We watched Battlestar live, um, you know, Walking Dead, this show. But I think it's just more 
us because because of what we do and the whole podcasting podcasting aspect of it. But like any show that we don't cover immediately for a podcast is always DVR'd. I never watch even. I'll even wait twenty minutes to start it and then watch it and flip through the commercials. Um, so that there there's a lot of attention put on the DVR plus three and DVR plus seven. And I know that the show does really well in the DVR plus seven, but the only problem with that is nobody looks at DVR plus seven for advertising. So DVR plus three is definitely good, but I think there's, I, I hear a lot of flag waving on the show for DVR plus seven. Um, and, and I think that's just kind of a moot point. I mean, it's good because it, the more people that watch the show, the better it is overall. And the hope is that some of those people will gravitate towards watching it earlier, but I don't really pay too much attention to the like the the live plus seven numbers or whatever they are. And, and not to go too far into this subject, but I wonder why there hasn't been a movement, you know, similar to Hulu, where like you cannot fast forward that part; it automatically goes to like normal speed to catch a commercial. Yeah, you know, like I, I wonder if you know your your TiVos or your. Whatever I, I guess all these cable companies are running their own uh, DVR boxes now, but it's amazing to me that there isn't some kind of pop-up ad that you're going to watch when you're fast-forwarding anyway, or that it just stops you at certain points and you have to sit through the ad. I don't know if that would be feasible to try to control the hardware like that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've talked about it before on maybe this show or other shows, but... um. You know, advertisers are finding ways around us not watching their commercials, you know. Um, and uh, what comes to mind especially is in uh, the show 24, Jack Bauer's show, all their cell phones were Sprint phones, and they made sure that you saw that they were a Sprint phone. Every time you looked at it, it was a Sprint phone. I mean, that happens all the time now with with shows. The, uh, right, Arrow, product placement. Arrow on the CW, you know, everything that his... his uh, sidekick or his um little blonde assistant uses is all windows eight you know we constantly see yeah. windows eight stuff yeah. being thrown at us on that show so people uh advertisers and in survivor um you know it's always a sprint phone that that uh jeff probes gives the the survivors uh, to look at so they can view videos of their loved ones or sometimes you'll have to use craftsman tools to complete a challenge a, a physical challenge or something so they are they are finding ways around people like us who skip those commercials on the DVR to see their products anyway so one of the things i don't understand and is if you watch something on hulu or if you watch it on the abc.com website you're forced like we we're saying you're forced to watch the commercials there's no mechanism for you to skip through them on your tv with the DVR or the fact that you could get up and walk out, you know, you could, most people don't sit through and watch commercials. If you have the the dish, uh, the hopper with the Joey set up, like like we've got at the house, you could even set it up to where it automatically pulls the commercials out, and it just it just plays. Which the networks are kind of there's a big lawsuit between them and Dish, but I don't understand why advertisers don't see internet viewing of these TV shows with mechanisms that force you to watch the advertising as more valuable than regular broadcast television or through cable where people record most of this stuff and just fast forward through the commercials. I, I just like, 
I, I just don't understand that. I mean, we've talked about this on other podcasts before too, but I don't know if it's just old media or just a bunch of, you know, stodgy old codgers that just can't get past, you know, this newfangled thing called the internet or, or what. So I will start. Uh, Brad? Yes, sir. Did you recognize the villain of this uh, episode? The um, the actor, you mean? Nope. Who he was playing? Uh, I will tell you. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I know who it's supposed to be. He is a version, at least, of Ghost from the Thunderbolts. Okay, I'm not real familiar with that character, but damn. Sorry, but I'm glad to know. <clears throat> I'm glad to know. Uh, is that uh, from recent years, like the Warren Ellis run and stuff like that? Yes, uh, exactly. Actually, after the Warren Ellis, I think he started... Uh, Jeff Parker? Yeah, it might have been even been the Jeff Parker run, which I'm a big fan of. But um, I never read the Thunderbolts that late in its in its run. So It's I'm cool, it's cool that, you... it's a, that it's another Marvel character. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, and he's a big favorite of mine. And He teleports uh, I text... around like Nightcrawler does? He he doesn't teleport. He he does exactly. Uh, I don't know about exactly. He does very close to what happened in the show. He's in and out of reality. Oh okay. Um and on in the comics, he is unable to keep a um a solid form. So he needs a suit to keep him contained. Much like that character in Hellboy as well. Uh. I don't know why I brought it up because I'll never remember the name. Um, uh, but you know the Hellboy guy that if you when he gets punched in the in the mask it breaks and he like seeps out of it. It's Klaus. Oh, we can edit here anyway, Brad. I put a link in the. Um... Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. And also, and the part that made me realize it was the gas mask that they were putting in the forefront when Fitz was going down yes. to do the repairs and he was carrying that gas mask around with him and then they called the thing, you know, a ghost like five times and then it totally clicked uh, in my head. And it's funny that he, they never had him put the gas mask on so it was kind of like a visual nod, I think, to the comic fans. That's cool. Because um, as, yeah, as you can see, Brad, I sent you a little link there and it, it looks like yeah, it does look, a typical... Yeah, yeah, it looks like a gas mask. Right, and the effect that they were using on the show for when he sort of phases in and out is exactly how they draw it in the book, in the books. That's very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I was stoked. I actually was hoping that he was going to put on the mask or in the in the stinger at the end maybe need to be contained because he was, you know, he kept zapping in and out or whatever, but they didn't go there. I'm hoping he shows up again one other day, but... Um, who knows? But again, just a little carrot for the comic book fans. It goes yeah, a long Johann way Krauss, for me. That's the character from Hellboy. Yes. Seth MacFarlane did the voice. Oh, the Hellboy, yes. And they did what Marvel does. You know, they co they sort of manipulated the origin and, and stuff, and he doesn't have a name in the comics. His origin is very... They did an origin issue uh, with him, and uh, they purposely don't give you his name. I think they even black out his name in that issue, so you per you know so so you don't know who he was as a human. Um, I think they, I guess they called him Tobias. Does that sound right in this show? Yes. Yeah, that was his name. Yeah. 
In the comics, he's been around since 1987. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, I know he became prominent with the uh, the new Thunderbolt yeah. stuff. I'm sorry, Russ. No, no, I I think he disappeared for. I think he was one of those characters that was there for a short period of time and then disappeared, and then you know the, they finally found a way to to bring him back. So in the comics, is he a villain or a? He's an antihero. Okay. I mean, the, the thunder. You know, the Thunderbolts is pretty right. much villains yeah. that are doing hero work. He was very important in the um, Tony Stark disassembled thing. Like he had a big role in like sabotaging Tony Stark's armor, or I forget. And I should really read it again because it's uh, it's all really good stuff. But um, he had a big role for a while. Very cool. I'm glad to see them doing that. Yeah, and I didn't catch it at first. I mean, John texted me. He's like, hey, are you watching S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I, I, I did the thing I was talking about at the beginning. I, I started it like 15 minutes late and was flipping through the commercials. So I was like five minutes behind, and he's like, okay, I'll wait. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't catch it at first. It, it wasn't until he said it, and I was like, oh, it's so obvious. They kept saying ghost. They have the, the gas mask. Um, and especially the bit in the closet. When, when uh, they open the closet and they all, all get kind of the crap scared out of them, and you're seeing the mop with the with the gas mask. I was like, oh, it's it's so obvious. And I know I recognize the uh, the actor who played the part, but I can't put my finger on it. Again, I I turn to Russ and uh, Brad for that. What's he been in recently that I would recognize him? Um, hmm. Robert Baker. There he is. Oh, I know where I know him from. Did you get that far in Justified yes. where he uh, – it's the boyfriend of that yes, bartender that he was shacking yeah. up with for a while? They're, they're, they're basically yeah. – well, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, yeah. He's like a con man kind of guy. Is that right? Is that after season two? Because I only saw – Yes. I only saw through season two. Yeah, it was two. last season. It's last season, whatever yeah. that was, four. Okay. Says he was in uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation as Cobra Commander, which I guess we wouldn't see his face. And we have a uh, a uh, email to that effect, or a voicemail coming up to that effect. Did you guys catch the Roxxon Oil cameo? That was the yes. gas station at the beginning of the episode that got blowed up? Yeah, I did. That was very cool. Very yeah, cool. so Roxxon, again, showed up in, I know it was in Iron Man 3... I think in one of the other, I want to say, no, I guess it wasn't in Thor The Dark World, but it definitely showed up in Iron Man 3. I think they've shown it in S.H.I.E.L.D. before as well, but so it showed up again. So I thought that was that was a nice carry through. Uh, Rocks on Oil Corporation, a big, a big, uh, kind of one of those evil megacorps in the Marvel Universe that goes back to the to the early days. I liked what they did in this episode. It seems to be a theme with the show. They try to always swerve you to exactly what's happening um, or maybe, like, what the powers are. Um, you know, like, in this case, we were led to believe that uh, she was telekinetic at first. Right. You know, uh, throwing all those things around or whatever. And then you, you realize, no, it's actually somebody else that... Uh, yeah, is with her, um, so that's cool. And I think, I think we've had that before, where, you know, we're not sure exactly what the power is or where it comes from or who the villain's going to be, yeah. etc. 
I think kind of like with uh, Aquila, the or the 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 in I Spy, you know, same same kind of thing. Yeah, right. The rogue agent. Um, yep. This it's funny because if you if you think about the the T- Tobias character and how he got his powers, it was kind of like an old school Silver Age, you know, villain slash hero origin story. You know, where guys working on this crazy piece of equipment, the thing malfunctions. And he gets these crazy powers. I mean, it's just very, like, it's it's very Atomic Age uh, origin stuff to me, which I thought was very, very yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was kind of kind of cool that you know, just kind of that kind of callback. They didn't have to make us wait long uh, to uh, for to start giving us answers uh, for the deal between Ward and May, did they? They kind of hit that right off yeah, the top of the episode. I, I was surprised in in. We I guess we find out that it's it wasn't just a one time thing. Like we John and I kind of talked last week that we thought okay they they had this you know emotional or stressful experience and they were kind of blowing off steam and it was probably just going to be one of those okay let's not talk about it again and it was pretty obvious in this episode that this has been kind of a regular occurrence for those two. Yeah, well, and the ward even said you know something to the effect of okay. Let's do what we always do here. You know, you leave first. I'll, I'll leave later. I'll go come in a different way. You know, it's like they've they've had this way for dealing with this. And I mean, they obviously said this isn't the first time it's happened. But then when Ward shows up in the plane, May looks at him and goes, "You're late." Did that did that sound familiar to you? Hasn't that happened before at least once in the show? Uh. I I could have sworn I remembered from an earlier episode Ward wandering in and May saying you're late. Maybe it's just I'm making it up off the top of my head like I want this to have happened like we've already had this clue but we didn't realize it was a clue uh, at the time. Not that I recall. But that yeah, yeah not I don't to recall say it didn't that happen, either. So. Maybe I saw a preview for this episode a while back. A, month, a week ago or so, and that was part of the clip. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. But it seemed familiar to me, like, oh, this has been happening before, because I know she's already said that to him once before. Anyway, um, uh, I, are you, are you guys okay? I mean, do you believe this? The two of them, yeah, yeah, doing doing this. I, I, I do because I think it's just. I think of any two people on that plane. Those two probably have more in common or more shared experience than anybody else. I mean, even more so than Coulson. Like, I, I take it Coulson's been an agent for a while, but he's not the, you know, macho, you know, beat him up kind of, kind of agent. Like, he's more a leader or behind the, st- behind the scenes or a little more subdued, uh, than, than May. I mean, May and Ward are, front lines kind of guys. So I, I, I totally buy it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't know that... I mean, it was very unexpected, obviously, and I'm trying to think about their interactions in past episodes, and I just... Other than possibly misremembering that you're late thing, I don't... I really don't see any other clues they've given to us that there's ever anything going on. Which is fine. And I, I think they're playing it smart, because... I don't see this as a relationship. Like, I don't see, 
those two having strong emotional attachment to each other. So, so to me, it's not like, you know, I've, I've kind of railed against the cliche of the guy and the girl getting together. And I think from the get go, they've kind of positioned that as being sky and ward. So the fact that it's may and ward, I think throws enough of a twist on it. And, and again, because I don't, I don't think there's any kind of emotional attachment between these two. I think it's just uh, a matter of convenience, uh, with with them I thought it was funny when uh Sky said she needed to get laid yeah speaking about May you know and saying it to Ward it obviously affected Ward because he was what was he was grinding pepper or something yeah. on his sandwich yeah. and yeah. he stopped <laughs> yeah. when she said that it kind of looked up and continued that was that was a good reaction and was it me or so Sky had more to do this episode, and I we got a couple emails I think that that point this out a little bit too. But um, Sky had more to do I think in this episode than maybe the previous two episodes combined, and I did not find myself wanting to throw something at the TV. Um, so I don't know if maybe they're finding their footing with her character and they're getting it down in the writers' room better. But I I just I think I think they're coming around on her. You know, I I just don't buy. I don't buy the. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the liberal angle with her, the um, the almost like techno tree hugger, yeah, and she's fighting against the man. Yeah. Like I just don't buy it. Like that she's really trying to do the right thing. I don't I don't know what it is. And and she didn't bother me this episode, but you know, she did that whole thing about how she wanted to tell the girl what was going on to sort of apologize and say they were wrong and she was telling the truth blah blah blah. Like I don't know, I just don't buy it from her. Maybe it's because I know that she's really, you know, her real agenda and I don't know. I don't think I can only imagine that this character hasn't quite turned out the way the writers intended it to. Um, because who would intend to write a character that's almost useless? I mean, I appreciate what they're trying to do. You know, they're trying to show that Coulson has trust in her. And, I mean, that's fine, but... I don't know, there's something, and it's been this way for me ever since, and we've talked about this, there's just something missing from her character. I think it's, obviously this is, you know, just in case we ever do get a chance to interview Chloe Bennett, it's not the acting that's, that's or the way she's portraying it, I just think it's the way she's been written. Yeah. She's just, she's like a, a know-it-all that, she's like that annoying little sister. Or that girl at a at a party you don't want to start a conversation I, I, with. I don't think they're writing that character to the strengths of her as an actress. Um, over, overall, I think, like you're saying, Brad, I think there are times when when I buy her performance more than others, which again tells me that it's it's the writing and not and not her. Because like if I never like if there were never any moments where she delivered lines or gave a performance and I was in in it and it always annoyed me or always I, I just didn't buy it then I would be like yeah maybe she just doesn't have the right talent or whatever and I just I just don't see that I don't 
I don't think that's what it is. I just think for whatever reason they're they're struggling with how to write her. Well, hopefully that's just one more part of the show that will come around to working. You know, it seems like the last several episodes, four episodes or so, they've just been better incrementally better and better and it seems like they're finding their footing. Maybe she's one of the last remaining things that they have yet to finally figure out how to deal with. And, uh, I mean, I hope, uh, I want to, when I watch a show, I want to like everybody if I'm supposed to like them, you know, like when it comes to the governor, I don't like him. We're not supposed to like him, you know, on walking dead. So that, you know, and, and so they're doing it right. And we're supposed to like all these people on the shield airplane. And yet, you know, there's one that, I wouldn't miss if her character was gone from the show. And, and, you know, that makes me kind of feel bad because I know we're supposed to like her, but maybe they'll finally figure it out. I hope so. I, I, I'll just say again for probably the ninth time in, in, in Nide Podcast, I love that plane. I think that plane is just awesome. <laughs> Inside and out. <laughs> I mean, just the whole tilting and, you know, the whole vertical takeoff and landing aspect to it and just the way it looks and, and the, the, you know, the design on top. I don't know. Just that plane is just awesome. I think that plane kind of has a TARDIS thing going. <laughs> it seems a lot bigger on the inside yeah, than it looks like on the outside. Well, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, especially in this episode where the guy was, like, disappearing and appearing on the up opposite side of the plane and it would take forever, you know, for a board to get from one place to another. It's just like... Yeah. It just felt that way to me, at least. Yeah. What do you guys think about the the Fitzsimmons you the know, hazing plot with them wanting to prank? Yeah, I that was entertaining for me. I I liked it, especially when we when Fitz ends up getting a taste of his own medicine and screams like a girl. That was pretty. That was pretty. Uh, <laughs> um, that was satisfying. It, it just it was funny because it it you could. It felt believable, right? I mean, here's two these two characters, and we find out that they both graduated from the academy in one year or college or whatever it was instead of four. Um, so they never got the opportunity to ha haze the incoming freshmen like they were hazed, and so it just it, it just like they were two little school kids. It was just I don't know. It was just cute. It just and it, and it worked. I mean, and the fact that they choose Sky as their target, I thought was. Uh, I just thought it was pretty funny and just and it I think it was even more funny because the stuff they were coming up with was really lame. I mean, you know, it wasn't like really good pranks. They were like really crappy pranks, but they thought they were like awesome pranks. Uh so I think I think it just added to the to the charm of it. They they easily work the best for me on the show. No question. I really I really like Fitz a lot. I think he's He's funny and he's clever, and uh, the, the guy's a great actor. His timing is really good. Um, just some of his facial expressions are pretty funny. And when when both he and Simmons were telling uh, Sky the story of how she became the cavalry, and they're both like making stuff up on the spot as they're telling the story back and forth, that was really well done. That was fun. Yes. Don't forget the guns in both hands. Oh yeah, the guns. <laughs> yeah. And the horse, and the, it was just, yeah, that whole thing. But, too, again, it was believable because 
you know, you figure there, there's always legends, you know, with everything or stories where over time they get bent out of shape. And I like how every time the story was told, it was, you know, Fitzsimmons tells a story and it's, it's so extravagant and so out of, out of left field. And then Ward tells a story and it's, eh, it's a little more believable, but you know, still kind of feel like you're stretching. Um, and then Colson tells the story and we're, we're led to believe that that's exactly what happened. But even I think in the way Colson was telling it, and he was there, or at least was there to witness part of it, you think that either something's getting held back or left out or or possibly even maybe maybe under-exaggerated instead of over-exaggerated when, when Colson was telling it. Well, you just answered the question I was going to ask you, which was, do you think we really got the real story? No. Yeah, I, I think obviously what Colson said was the closest, um, you know, that to the truth, but, um, leaving something to the imagination of how she came up with the name probably is a good idea. So do you guys think, again, this is another episode that really didn't tie into the bigger picture. And I I think in this episode, we didn't even get any like beat you over the head references to, you know, other stuff that we're supposed to be thinking about. If that makes any sense, like the Coulson, Tahiti, all that. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, did I miss anything? Am I forgetting anything? I think really the only callback we got to something that they've been bashing us over the head with is, um, hey, this, you know, we're in the same universe as the Avengers movie and the Thor movies because they, they name-checked Thor. Um, so I, I, I don't think we got any kind of Tahiti or whatnots. So, right. So I guess what I'm asking is, you know, it's been a few weeks now that they really haven't. I mean, yeah, they've they've pulled us into the Marvel universe with different things that they've done, but they haven't gone back to like the Rising Tide and uh, and um, I always want to say Caterpillar, but it's actually Centipede. Centipede. Um, and now we have this two-parter coming up, I guess. Right? Do we have an off week and then the two-parter, or the part one and off week and then part two? However, it works out. Uh, do you think that big two-parter is going to, you know, tie in with the big picture, or do you think they're getting away from that? Maybe I wonder. I haven't. Li- See, I don't look at previews and stuff, so this is probably really easy to answer, but I don't know the answers. There's no, there's no Agents of Shield episode on uh, Tuesday, December third. So the next episode will be Tuesday, December tenth, and then it goes on hiatus for like a winter break. I'm not sure how long that's going to be. My guess is probably like mid-January it comes back, um, or maybe the first week of January it comes back. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure when it comes back. But, yeah, so it's kind of odd that we get a week off and then we come back for a week to have a cliffhanger then to be gone again. Right, and I wonder... You know, I'm, I'm assuming that then part one will bring in some of this stuff that they started to, you know, introduce early on, the rising tide and stuff like that, which really, to me, has become less interesting. Like, to me, really, the story of season one is what's up with Coulson. Right, right. And, you know, they started introducing that other stuff really hard in the first couple of episodes, but we really haven't gotten much since then. Right. And, and I I agree. I think the bridge, which is the next episode, again on December tenth, um, will will bring that whole whole aspect back 
on that with some kind of crazy cliffhanger, supposedly. Yeah, didn't we hear that um, Jay Alcus Richards was coming back and a couple other, the um, woman in the flower dress, she's coming back. And I mean, they're all involved with, with the centipede stuff, or the, yeah, centipede stuff. Yeah, yeah that, and that makes perfect sense. Like I said, I'm not a big preview guy, but I guess I do remember now seeing uh, Michael, I guess Jay Augustus Richards, uh, his name was Michael. Yeah. I do recall seeing him coming back. Or, And I think, as always, at the end of the episode, after we kind of do our sign-offs, we'll do like a little spoilery section where we give kind of the comments on the next episode. And I've got a note based on the preview they showed for the next episode, so I think that'll be... Um, that that kind of a funny little bit that we could talk about. So I think we'll we'll do that like we always do. So what else this show? Um, oh, I guess May um, parts partook, partaked, partaken. May got herself involved in the uh, little prank at the end, which was funny with Fitz coming out with the shaving cream on his face. Yeah, yeah. I I thought <clears throat> again. I think I think it works because it it flips the script. I mean they would have expected it to be one of the crew because may is just such a, such a, uh, you know, such a, so tight. Um, and, and not one, you know, not one to be seen as having fun. And then, you know, when we kind of get that little smile from her and she's listening to them in the back of the plane and we get that little smirk on her as she's, as she's, uh, you know, piloting the plane. I, I, I thought it worked. I mean, I know we got, um, I think again, a couple of the emails maybe weren't as, as happy about that. Or, or bought it as much, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think they're kind of trying to show that she's coming around, you know. I think the reason that worked so much for me is because it was the most basic of all pranks. You know, shaving cream yeah. in the hand, you tickle their nose, boom. Again, kind of lame, you know, kind of like with Fitz and Simmons, right? The pranks they were dreaming up weren't exactly like these crazy, uh, you know, pranks that people will talk about forever or you know, think are just awesome. They're just kind of like little lamey kind of pranks. You know, that brings back a memory. I did do that uh, to my friend Jeff, my oldest friend, uh, back in uh, in high school. Uh, on, a, <laughs> on a Boy Scout camp out, actually. So, uh, yeah, that it does work. <laughs> you know, it finally clicked in my head uh, this episode, and and I think they've done. I don't think they've done a good enough job of, of portraying this. If this is what they're going for, but anyway, um, Fitz and Simmons are kind of like Doogie Housers, like they should have been played as like fifteen year old prodigies that got into Shield, and now they're like barely above high school age, and even though they're super genius science and technology people they're still children you know mentally um emotionally or or whatever you know in in the rest of their actions you know what i mean like maybe if they played it that way like as part of their bio that they were they were brought in you know super young and that would make so much more sense into like the bumbling and stuff that they do yeah, yeah, because I think at this point it's obvious that they're either PhDs or masters at at best. So before they even went in the Shield Academy, they were, you know, probably what twenty five, twenty six, and you know, a year at the academy, and they've been in Shield for some time at least at this point. So yeah, it's it's you know they're easily in their very very late twenties or early early thirties, and uh, so I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, John. I, I I think that would play up. 
the aspect that they're trying to push with those characters. Right. Like I still, you know, I, I think I mentioned it early on in the, in the few first few episodes, you know, it's like, we're supposed to have this like super elite, you know, splinter shield team working with Coulson. And they just seem to like be too goofy or make too many mistakes Something like that to explain it would make a lot of sense. Like, we need their super intelligence, you know, and their skills, but they're really not, you know. Well, I, th uh, I think maybe we're finding out that they're not as elite as we're led to believe. That this is more, I, I think what they're trying to push more, and I think we saw it maybe after the hub, is that this team isn't like this crazy elite team. This is a team that Colson picked because he sees something that each of them have that is unique or that the others have to offer to balance them out. Like I think, you know, Fitz and Simmons, I think he sees as two lab rats that really need to be out in the real world and to have that exposure more to be and, and have that to contribute with Ward. I think he just saw as this guy that was too much of a lone wolf and would be better bringing, you know, being a part of a family and help, you know, uh, you know, help draw that out in his character, kind of like to to save him from being, you know, this cold-hearted, you know, loner. And I think with Sky, obviously, it's he sees something in her that you know he thinks almost like he he kind of wants to give her the second chance and to bring her in. And with May, kind of the same thing. He knows she's kind of damaged, like he is, and trying to bring her back from finishing out her career is basically a desk jockey. So. I, I think maybe what we thought in the beginning it was is maybe not necessarily what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Could they have tied this into Thor a little more directly, meaning um, <clears throat> the alien world or whatever that Simmons sees when she zooms in to one of the little Big Bangs or whatever? Um, why couldn't they have said... You know, is this one of the nine realms or something like that? Why, why couldn't they have been that specific? I mean, it seems like they would have, maybe not would have. It seems like they could have, you know, continued tying it in. Or did they just get enough of that from with the with the one episode they did? You know. I I think it's a tight rope they walk. I mean, we've we've mentioned it before. You know, I, I'm beating a dead horse, but those those hazmat agents. Why couldn't they be AIM? You know, um, yeah. somebody mentioned um, uh, why couldn't somebody be a dark elf? Uh, it must have been in the Thor episode. You know, they're 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 passing. I think purposely on opportunities to to tie in too much. Yeah. Well, they did mention that the machine, that the purpose of that machine was to open a portal to another world similar to what Thor's people do to get to our world. I mean, they they were pretty specific about that. So it kind of it kind of mentioned it, but it wasn't it wasn't really overt. Because when I saw that landscape that she was looking at, the first thing I thought of, and maybe it's because of. Um, having just seen the Thor movies and and that kind of thing, but um, I, the first thing I thought of was, is that one of the worlds that we saw opening up in in Thor when all those portals were opening? We got to gl glimpse of you know different realities or different worlds, and I asked myself, I wonder if that's supposed to be one of those. But I guess it really doesn't 
have to be. Um, I just think it would have just been another, you know, thing to make the show a little more Marvel. Yeah. But, you know, it's... it's Again, I think it is doing a fairly good job of of being a Marvel show as evidenced by the ghost character. You know, it's just one more way they're pulling in that that world to the, you know, they're bridging the, the comics with the show. Yeah. One, one of the things that I, that I thought I have in my notes too, is we're seeing a little more of, of Coulson and his uh, personality that, that kind of mirrors what we saw in the Avengers. Uh, you know, in the Avengers, he collected those Captain America trading cards. And my guess is he probably has other collected memorabilia. We kind of see that based on, uh, his his office on the plane, right? He's got all that stuff, and we find out that it's all glued down. Um, but the watch, they use the watch to open the door, and it what what they're going to do to it is really going to ruin it. And he kind of freaks out for a moment. He's like, he's like, oh, the watch. He's like, I think they they only made thirty of those or something like that. Like he's he's definitely has that collector um, mentality that that a lot of us have. So I thought that was just kind of funny. He had another funny line at the beginning of the show, and I, I can't, can't remember what it was, but it it made me chuckle. You know, uh, similar to the see what I did there one from the previous, yeah, yeah episode. I can't recall what it is, but I like it when he does that. I I like it when he's funny when he makes jokes. The collector thing, you know, it's almost like he's he's us. Yeah, he's the fan. Yeah, you know, he's. <laughs> And, and Sky actually had a funny line that behold when they're going through their stuff and she says, "Well, what I didn't go to your stupid shield, you know, Hogwarts school or whatever it was." I th- I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I like that. You know, going on back to um what John had just said about Colson. You know, the great thing about it is that Clark G- Clark Gregg. I have the hardest time saying his name. I want to say Clark Gleg. So funny. Uh, the gr- the great thing about him is that he is one of us in real life, you know, so he can he can bring that into his character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's a, and it's funny because he's a cosmic Marvel guy. I mean, when we sat on what we didn't sit on when we were at the Avengers panel in at New York Comic Con in 2011, you know, he he went on and praised like the whole Jim Starlin cosmic run. So a lot of that whole Thanos, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War you know, all that kind of stuff. He's a huge fan of, of all that stuff. And he even, have you guys read, there was a comic that came out, not to get too far off track, called uh, Avengers Endless War by Warren Ellis. Not heard um, of it. It, it, it. It's it's actually pretty good, and he does the forward in it. Um, and it's really cool because he talks about, like, how he got into comics and, you know, you know just, just his affinity for these characters and, and the whole Starlin stuff. So it was kind of cool, you know, hearing it and, you know, it being, you know, something believable, you know, it's not, I don't take him as like a poser or somebody that's saying it, um, you know, Oh yeah. I like the comics or, you know, because he picked up three when he was, you know, seven years old or something like that. You know, I, it was kind of cool to get that perspective on him. I can't really think of anything else in this show that I wanted to speak directly to. No, I mean, again, it was kind of light. It was kind of a, you know, a one and done 
as far as we know, for the most part. I mean, usually, you know, I was really hoping that Ghost was going to be around in the Stinger, but when he wasn't, you know, that kind of sealed it that, all right, this was a one-shot deal type thing. Yeah. What you, you know, we didn't get that Graviton uh, ending. Right. What did you guys think of? So at the very end when May is talking to Tobias and, uh, you know, he's she's trying to relate to him, you know, to let to let the you know, let her go. And, you know, if you if you truly care about her, that you'll you know, you'll basically stop this and, and be able to move on and whatnot. He, she kept saying, let the girl go. And then when Coulson comes up and talks to her, he says, you know, what did what did you tell her? You know, or what did you tell him? What did you say to him? And she says, I said the same thing to him that you said to me. So maybe I'm reading too much into it, but one of the things she kept saying was, let the girl go, let the girl go. Do you think maybe something happened with that whole cavalry incident where May wasn't able to save somebody and that Coulson said, you know, to let her go or, you know, that, that basically she was in a situation where either she had to save herself or somebody had to die that, that she couldn't save, you know, in whatever incident that this was. And that maybe that's kind of what has to, why she's, she's a little damaged more so than she was. I definitely got that vibe. Some, something like that, you know, it might be reading a lot into it to try to figure out, you know, specifically what happened, but I was definitely thinking along those lines that, she got the same type of command from Coulson whenever it went down, whatever it was. Yeah, I just I, I wasn't sure if I was maybe taking it too literally. I thought she said something like the same words that you said to me. I thought she she said not. I thought it was more specific than I just told her what you told me. I thought no, I, I mean, heard. I thought she said the same words that you told me. And maybe and, so, and, yeah. And. I, and I thought that's what you were getting at when you just asked us that question. You know, I didn't, I didn't take it that way when I heard it, but it wouldn't surprise me if maybe it, it is that literal. You know, that, that Coulson actually said, "Let the girl go," and he was referring to somebody that she couldn't save or something like that. Just curious. I I, I think it's good. I think kind of like we got a little more of May backstory. And it's funny because it wasn't through May's perspective. It was through other people telling the story than I think we did from Ward when he had his, his freak out moment the the week before. But um but I like that we're getting more bits and pieces of these characters and who they are and and it's kinda of putting things together and I think it's advancing the story. I think Fitzsimmons it's kinda it's a little different because I think we get a lot about them just in the way that they are. Like, I don't really feel like there's much to of a backstory with those two that is really that important. Um, you know, we we get a lot of who they are and what they are just in their in their regular banter. But you know, like Ward and May and Sky, uh, there's there's a lot more I think that's kind of integral to who they are and why they act the way they do and and interact with everybody else that that. It would be interesting to find that out over time. And then, of course, you know, Coulson we know a lot about in general, but, you know, finding out how he came back from the dead or what his, his situation is, um, is is another piece out there. We want to uh, check out some emails? 
Yeah, I, I, I will say I apologize up front. Um, it may not, you may not know from listening to this, but we had some internet tif- technical difficulties on my side, um, and I am kind of uh, rigged up to play the voicemails. So I uh, apologize, Jason Ritter sent us a, another voicemail this week, um, and I guess we'll have to hold that uh, for a future, a future episode down the line. Uh, we won't be able to, to play that tonight, um, so I apologize for that. So we got a couple emails. Um, the first one's from Victor, and uh, it's kind of a lengthy email, so I think I'll pick a couple points out of here that may be good for discussion um, and, and see what we have to say. Um, okay, so Victor kind of gave a couple comments on, you know, that he was pretty happy with the episode overall. Uh, he, he felt it was one of the best episodes of the series so far. Uh, he, he thought the, the pranking aspect of, of things was, was done well. He just wished that there could have been more of it. Um, uh, now, he, he did take issue a little bit with the bad guy itself, the, the Tobias character. He said, first we get typical S.H.I.E.L.D. plot twists where we think it's an episode about a nervous telekinetic and then it turns out to be something else. The horror element worked well. I typically am not a fan of Doctor Who or Buffy episodes that go this route, but this did it for me. Ghost turns off lights and, and pops around, scaring people. Awesome. So he, he, was, a, he was a fan of that. Um, then this is kind of a, the next thing we'll, we'll, I kind of mentioned. We got another email, um, too, from, from uh, Thomas. And they both kind of said the, the similar things with relates to the whole science versus magic uh, thing. So I'll read his comment, and it, and it definitely applies, uh, applies to Thomas's as well. Um, he says, however, we once again get the science versus magic story, although I was less against it this time. For one thing, it was just Simmons' theory. We didn't get confirmation that this was Muspelheim, the fiery Norse plane, but they also didn't disprove it as Mephisto's realm. So, like, basically, the, the either either Valhalla or, you know, whatever. Um, I was thinking that while I'm ready to accept the supernatural as real in this universe, the characters themselves are not. How how would they have fought an actual ghost? I mean, they could have just done what they did anyway. But the team is not yet equipped for this, and I imagine S.H.I.E.L.D. as a whole isn't either. My theory is that for Season 2, we'll get an addition to the team that's a magic slash supernatural expert. Although with Thor already known to exist, I don't know why we couldn't have something like that. Still not sure why we need three tech guys. I guess he means um, Sky, uh, Fitz, and Simmons. So that kind of goes into Thomas's email. Um, and, and he was a little more critical, I think, with the whole science versus magic thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll read this, and then maybe we could talk about this just in general. Um, he says, let me get this straight. On Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we can't have superpowers or magic, but we can have a character talk about religion for most of the episode. It came off too preachy, in my opinion. For a show that's trying to reach all markets, it wasn't smart to put a major focus on religion. The segment of the audience that are not religious may be turned off by this. So again, kind of the whole science, religion, magic kind of thing. Whereas I think Victor came from it at, from a, a perspective of, um, you know, that, that this may be more magic than science. And I think Thomas was trying to say, you know, it, was, it just for him, it came off a little too preachy. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. I have my own opinion. I didn't really pick up too much of the magic versus science. I mean, I get it, you know, and it's certainly a theme in the, in the past, but I, I don't know. I really didn't focus on that very much, and I didn't think of this at all as magic. 
right? I mean, Ghost is based on a experiment gone wrong or an accident. Um, yeah. Unless I'm missing the point here. Yeah, no, and I didn't take it as like him floating between. You know, they. I think they kind of made it a point of he's basic. It's a spinoff of the tech that is that use that allows Thor to teleport or any Asgardian or to teleport between any of the nine realms that they they actually either fold space or enter another dimension and then come back out on the other side and they're basically saying that that's what this guy is doing too so i took it more as tech like something happened that changed the way his body works with the with the laws of physics that allow him to you know just just travel between whatever separates these these dimensions or these universes so i i, I really it's hard to say what the real end game with the whole magic versus science. I know we've talked about this before with Doctor Strange that if they bring him in, it's going to be you know really hard to say that you know he's um, you know he's not magic because he's magic based. Um, but uh, you know I, I I don't know. I think I think it remains to be seen. But I think it's definitely they're pushing the tech more than magic aspect of it. Um, and the character, uh, I was talking to Brad a little bit about this off the air. Um, the comic character is a, he had created ghost tech, which was sort of a cloaking, um, you know, something with military applications, that that type of thing. Um, and that's what he ends up being sort of fused with. Um, you know, it's not a character that was based in magic or, or anything like that. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I as far as, um, and then Thomas kind of made some comments about the, the religious aspect of it. I, I didn't take it as too preachy at all. I mean, I just saw this character, uh, the, the female, um, Hannah, that, that she's just, that, that she just had very strong beliefs and that she just equated what was going on with her in, in her, you know, personal experience with, you know, these crazy things and everything else as being punished for, you know, she carries a lot of guilt for what happened in that in that lab um, or in the factory or whatever. And then add that to the fact that everyone in the town is putting that on her as well. And I think she's just kind of having this crisis of faith or whatever. So I, I didn't think it was too preachy at all. I mean, that that's I, I didn't take it that way um, one bit. And I think just having a character, you know, reflect that I, I don't I don't I don't see that as being off putting that that's just me. I didn't take it preachy either. I mean, you know, in reality, they they played both sides of it, you know, because what's the um, the girl said? Uh, she asked Sky, "Do you believe in God?" And Sky says, "No, not really." You know, so they they gave equal time, you know, to somebody who believed and somebody who didn't believe. So I I didn't. I mean, I'm a I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I've been going to church my whole life. You know, I have a faith-based, I have faith-based life, but I wasn't offended at all. I didn't feel like it was preachy or anything like that. So, I mean, I don't know what that says, but I didn't take it that way. I agree. Um, and then Thomas also says that you know he has no issue with the whole Ward May thing. What's going on? Uh, he sees maybe a problem when Sky finds out. Uh, that the writers are going to maybe put this as a love triangle, and that he doesn't buy Sky and Ward as a couple, 
So he's not looking forward to to any kind of reveal between you know where the, where it's basically out in the open. You know, I kind of did think about that for a second when uh, when Sky joins May in the cockpit. Uh huh. You know, like because it seems like Sky is going to now try to get close to May, and you know maybe she'll never find out about what goes on with Ward and May. You know, like I could I I could see it happening i hope it doesn't um i i for some reason i i thought the same thing uh when i saw that last scene well i've never gotten any inclination at all that sky feels something for ward other than maybe respect and maybe some awe but i've never i've never felt oh she's got the hots for ward i've never seen that Maybe I'm just totally missing it, but I have a. I think it's more of a respect thing because if she truly wants to be a field agent, you know, why not learn from the best who she thinks is Ward? So, I think there's a little hero worship there, more that than an emotional connection, really. That's the way I take it. Yeah, I think in the beginning when the show, like in the first couple episodes, I think I felt like she was leaning more towards, a, a, you know, thinking of him in a romantic manner. But I think now that he's her training officer, that th- she's kind of moving away from that. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, picked up on it a little bit in the first couple of episodes, but it it hasn't really been like that since. And that's a common thing, you know. Writers will go one way with the character, and then they'll realize this isn't working. This is a bad idea. So let's let's change it up. So, and I'm hoping that's all it is. Yeah. Like so I said earlier, think... go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, you you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say uh, thanks again, Victor and Thomas, for your emails. Um, and like I said, we'll get to that voicemail hopefully down the road. Um, we appreciate everybody that that send us sends us uh, voicemails and and sends us emails. Um, Shield podcast at hhwled.com. Um, if you, the I will say this: the briefer you could keep them, the better. Um, just for the sake of time and everything else. Um, if we get a, an email that's somewhat lengthy, we'll probably just end up picking a couple points out of it. Um, and and talking about those specifically, especially if it's something we haven't directly talked about in the discussion. Um, and, and the same for the emails. If, if you can keep those brief, that would be awesome. Um, but again, we appreciate everybody's feedback um, and, and look forward to much more. Our number for voicemails is 972-798-3830. If you want to leave us a voicemail, just specify that it is one for the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Because everybody on our network uh, who wants to or doesn't already have their own phone line, I guess, can use that phone number as a message receptacle of sorts for their show. So just specify S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast if you leave us a message. I said it earlier, um, these shows have been, the last four or five have been right on the mark for me. Uh, I'm just going to jump into ratings, if you guys don't mind. I'm going to give this a solid four. Um, I think there's, the last couple have been, there have been a little more meat to the last couple for me to chew on. This certainly was not a disappointment of an episode, but I'm going to give it a four, a solid four. 
Yeah, I'm right in. I'm right in that area. You know, four plus. Um, I, I don't know what we've. I, I screwed up these ratings so badly early on that I don't. I don't know what my decimal should be after the four. But uh, I've increasingly enjoyed the last three or four, definitely. And the ghost uh, little Easter egg was great. I I really enjoyed that. And um, you know, it's looking up. I hope. I hope it continues this way. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, I give it a, a four. I, I I think of the last three, this one maybe was the weaker. But again, that's, you know, I'm not saying I didn't like it. It's just the, of three or four solid, solid episodes. You know, if I had to if I had to rank them one through four, this would probably be like maybe three or four of the last four. Um, but yeah, just just I, they're definitely moving in the right direction. I'm really looking forward to um, to the next episode and, and then the rest of the season. And just to confirm, we do get a full season, right? Do we know how many? Do we know how many 22. episodes that is? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. I think Very I think good. they could actually pull something off, you know, quite outstanding if they if they keep going in the direction they're going in. Yeah, I mean, we're nine episodes in. I guess after after we hit this uh, two-parter that's coming up that'll be 11 so that's like the halfway mark of the season so it's still a lot more room to go you know in this first season and when does captain america april 4th um, april 4th okay so we'll be back way before then april it'll be yeah. towards the end of the season correct and uh we get a bye next week is that right that's correct so we will not have an episode out next week. We will be back the week after. Um, and then as far as the break goes, I, I haven't found any information on when it's coming back from the break. Um, and maybe I'm speaking a little ahead of myself, but we're probably, I, I would almost guarantee we will not be weekly uh, during the break. But I think if it's more than four weeks or so, we'll probably, um, we'll probably chime in and do an episode, if nothing else, maybe to read off some voicemails or emails or, um, probably talk about some news because I'm sure by that point uh, there'll be some more previews out or we might have some more um, information about maybe some guest stars or whatnot coming up. So, um, it, like I said, if it's longer than three or four weeks, then expect to see an episode. If it's if it's just a two to three week hiatus um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, we'll probably just just uh, ride the break. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine with me. As we are recording this episode, it is the day before Thanksgiving, so by the time you guys hear this, you will have already stuffed yourselves if you celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, I know um, Callum Reavy, our time-traveling friend from Australia, uh, he posted something on Facebook that said, out of all the things we as Australians have adopted from the United States, I wish Thanksgiving was one of them so we could have a a day to be thankful for our friends and family. And uh, I just want to say to you guys, I'm thankful for both of you as, as friends, and I hope you have a wonderful time with your uh, families tomorrow. And listeners, likewise, thank you. Likewise. And listeners, I hope uh, you didn't, you didn't uh, kill yourself uh, eating so much. I'm going to, I'm going to try real hard to uh, be, uh, I'm going to try to exhibit self-control when I, when I'm eating tomorrow. So, I wish the same for you guys. Very good. So I guess what we're going to do is uh, have you 
sign off if you don't want any possible light spoilery information from the previews and such. And uh, happy Thanksgiving once again. And uh, I guess I'm going to send it to Russ now. So take off if you don't want to get spoiled. Possibly. Yes. So episode 10 is titled The Bridge. I think we mentioned that earlier. And uh, it says, Coulson recruits a former enemy. enemy blah. Coulson recruits a former enemy, Mike Peterson, to help the team take on Centipede. But they soon find themselves under threat from an unexpected quarter. Um, so again, we get J. August Richards back as Mike Peterson. So that'll be fun. Uh, one of the cool things that... Uh, that when they gave the when we actually saw the preview for the next episode on the show is uh we see Colson going up to Mike and telling him to suit up and uh that made me chuckle cuz that was you know again that was the big thing in the Avengers you know they they kept telling each other to suit up uh so i thought that was a nice carryover from from the Avengers very cool i'm excited yeah and again this is a two part episode uh, that will end in some sort of cliffhanger until after the break, which again, as I, as I mentioned, I've, I've kind of dug around on IMDb on TV.com and I don't see anything that tells us exactly when we'll be back, but I'm sure by next week we will probably know that. So hopefully it'll be somewhat short. And another good thing about next week's buy is that uh, we will have plenty of time to recover from our food coma. Yes. Yes. And hopefully I will have uh, uh, choked the neck of somebody at my ISP to get my internet situation straightened out so we can uh, make sure we have uh, voicemails to play and et cetera. I'm going to ask Santa to bring you a new internet provider for Christmas. <sighs> oh, man. Something's got to change. I hope the uh, break doesn't kill any momentum, you know? I'm concerned about that. I am very well. You know, about that. that's becoming a more common thing for all kinds of shows now. I mean, I remember, you know, when we were kids, even, even a, just a five years ago, you know, there wouldn't be like mid-season hiatuses, but it's kind of just morphed into that. So it's a common thing, which makes it a little easier to to not worry so much about it. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm not too worried about it. So, but I hope, I agree with you. I hope it doesn't kill anything. Yeah. All right, guys, listeners, we'll, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Take care.